views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwen and Mercy Academy High School, the Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate. Attention all students, faculty and staff, alums, parents, and the Gwen community. One week for GMA is quickly approaching and is running from April 24th to April 28th. We are encouraging all people to donate. The money we raise goes to the Mercy Fund, which supports all aspects of a Gwinnett education and experience. Look out for more information in the coming weeks. Hi, welcome back to the Monarch Impact Podcast. I'm Caitlin Fitzgerald Straub, class of 2001, an engagement coordinator for Gwinnett Force. And I'm Piper Marion. I'm a senior here at Gwinnett. Today, we're going to be interviewing Kathy Kirk-Belwar, class of 81. She's the head of the Philadelphia office for SIA Partners and global leader of the CIO advisory team. Previously, she was the founder and president of PPT Consulting. She is currently the chair of Gwinnett's board of trustees. Ms. Belwar earned her bachelor's degree in business administration from the Villanova University and a master's in the dynamics of organization from the University of Pennsylvania. She has also been recognized locally for her contributions to the community, her support of women's initiatives, and her PPT brand identity. PPT Consulting was consistently named one of the top women-owned businesses by diversitybusiness.com and repeatedly included in the Philly 100, INC 5000, and Soaring 76. Mrs. Belwar has been recognized as one of Consulting Magazine's Women Leaders in Technology for 2020, one of Philly Biz Magazine's 2017 Women to Watch, is the proud recipient of the 2014 Women of Distinction Award, the 2010 Smart CEO Bravo Women's Achievement Award, and the 2008 Enterprising Woman of the Year, Year Award. Welcome, Kathy. Welcome. Thank you. All right, let's get right into it. Awesome. So I'm just going to start off with some questions about your time here at Gwynedd. And the first thing I want to ask is kind of the origin for your story. But what made you choose Gwynedd for a high school? I have to say that there was never a choice. When I was born, <laughs> I was brainwashed um, from day one. My mom is a proud Gwinnett graduate of the class of 1951. And, and truly, there was never a discussion. It was just as soon as you're out of grade school, you will go to Gwinnett. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> there you go. All right. So how do you think Gwinnett has changed you as a person, as a leader, as a friend? You know, I think my years at Gwinnett, you know, were very formative. You know, I think high school is a really important time in anyone's life, particularly a young girl. And I think Gwinnett helped me find my core. Um, I had opportunities to do things I never would have done. I love the fact that it was an all-girls environment where I could be myself, be silly, and try things, fail, laugh together with my friends. So I think it really helped me build a sense of self, build my self-confidence, and to help me make become the leader I am today. Um, I also think when it was key to helping me understand the service and the importance of service, and that it's not just something that people do or should do or think about doing, it is our responsibility. And I think that, again, has really formed my life and how I uh, conduct myself. Absolutely. So that's amazing. So I know you just mentioned service, but were there any other clubs or activities that were your favorites to participate in here at Gwinnett? Yes, there 
But I think back, there were two clear winners. One, I was involved in student council. I loved student council. I loved having an impact or thinking I had a say on how the school was being run and the programs and things that were happening, which was so fun. But the other one I truly, truly loved as well was the play. I was in the play all four years at Gwynedd. And though I cannot sing a note on tune, um, (laughs) I was able to dance. (laughs) So Sister Jeanette would uh, allow me every year to be in the play. And I made so many great relationships and have so many fond memories of those times. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So I'm going to bounce over. So you said there was a sister that helped you in the play, but were there any teachers that had an impact on you while you were here? Oh, there were a lot of great teachers. And I I don't want to say favorites, right? But I'll steer away from that. But, you know, I'm going to come right back to Sister Jeanette. Um, I spent a lot of time because the plays you're, you know, you practice on one weeknight and then all day on Sunday. And when it got close, we were just, we were just together with sister Jeanette a lot. Um, honestly, my parents were going through a divorce when I was in high school. So I threw myself into high school even more and sister Jeanette, she would even take me Um, When it was time to pick out the costumes or something for the play, she would drag me along. It was so great. She kind of took me under her wing. Um, And then Sister Jeanette, I I did an article maybe once for the um, Our Mercy newsletter, but she would have, and you probably still do, you have the programs, the play booklets. And I don't know if you still sell ads in those play booklets. They do. But they do. We should hit me up. But anyway. (laughs) That was a very big thing back in the day as well. And I was always in charge of the play program and making sure they were laid out right and and trying to sell the most. So Sister Jeanette honestly taught me how to sell, which is a very, very big part of what I do today. I saw consulting management consulting services versus um, ads in a play program. But she had me, I would call every funeral home in the area, every florist in the area. I would go through my pitch again and again and again and talk these people into why they should help support our program. So she taught me some very important lessons that honestly I use today on how to sell, believe in what I, my product, which was of course the Gwyneth play um, and sell with passion and then keep track of all the money and the finances and the artwork, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of great skills that I take took from that and use in in uh, similar but different ways today. That's amazing. Um, did you say what subject she taught? Sister Jeanette was in charge of the music program. Okay. So she also was the um, she managed the producer of the play. I guess would be her title. Okay. Yeah. That's that's I'm amazing. Sure. That's, that's yeah. really amazing. That's like that's uh, that's awesome. So she had an impact not only on you but also on your future. So it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It was really, you said she taught you how to sell. So yeah, that's she did. She taught impressive. me skills that are life, life skills. You know, there wasn't a classic one for that per se, but I really got life skills. I got support, encouragement, challenges. She dare me <laughs> to outdo <laughs> last year's goal. And, um, and, and uh, it was great. It was a, it was a wonderful relationship. Um, when you were in high school, what profession did you think you were going to be going into? And is it what you're in now? Yeah, it's not at all. Um, I thought for sure I was going to be a lawyer and maybe get into politics someday. You know, going back to my student council, I thought that was great and I would have impact in this world. And then 
I just totally strayed away from that and studied business. So what made you switch to business or was that, did you go in declared as a business major? I did. Um, I went to Villanova University and, um, you know, I couldn't, I don't think that they really had a pre-law program and I thought maybe I'd still do it afterwards, but I did go into business and it was pretty much knowing that I, again, of what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in the other schools or programs. So business seemed, you know, pretty something I could maybe do something with afterwards. So that's the track I started in. And then by the end of my four or my time at Villanova, I was um, I loved business and and um, was so jazzed by that. I just continued forward and never looked back or considered law. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so, what was your college experience like, and what classes did you enjoy? So you talked about Villanova and business and how much you loved it by the end, but what was that whole experience like? Well, I'll first tell you that Villanova was great. And, and I think Villanova in many ways was like Gwinnett. You know, there's a lot of spirit. Uh, school spirit was huge there. Um, there was also this element of service. We, of course, were Catholic as well. Institution, you know, the big differences for me was there were boys and it was immensely larger than my class of 63 in the class of 81. Um, but it, there was a lot of similarities. You know, the classes I loved, you know, were my business classes. I, you know, some, sometimes business is a puzzle, whether it's the mathematics and the accounting and finance of it, or it's figuring out the marketing strategy and programs. But I just loved those elements. Um, and again, and that's why I stuck with it uh, all the way. Um, and ultimately got a master's in it because that was important to me. Great. That's amazing. And so you also just mentioned how your graduating class was what, 63? 63. So transitioning yes. from a class of 63 to a school like Villanova must have been pretty difficult. Um, so what was that transition like for you? You know, it was at first, it was very intimidating. Um, and, you know, in my heart, though, when it gave me confidence, there's always that little ticking self-doubt. Um, and I was like, can I can I do this? I was nervous when I went to Villanova and, and moved away from home, et cetera. Um, but again, the people were amazing. And as I got to realize and, and get to know them and open myself up to them, they're just like me. You know, we we're all trying to do the right thing and and get through courses and and enjoy the extracurricular activities. So it wasn't hard at all. And from an academic standpoint, you know, I felt amazingly prepared. You know, and back in the day, uh, back in the day when I was a senior at Gwinnett, you were able to take college courses. We didn't really have the advanced and the honors courses per se but you would actually be able to take college level courses at Gwinnett um, College or Gwinnett University now. So, and you could, when you went to your university of choice, you would take a, an exam to see if you could place out of that. So I was able to place out of English 101 or place out of the math program and get to the next level program. So I ultimately did Villanova in three years, not four. That's amazing. Whoa. <laughs> Well, it is amazing. And my parents loved it because I saved them a lot of tuition. Sure. But 
I missed a whole year of fun and experience and, and life experience. So I'm actually glad when it doesn't have that anymore. And they have <laughs> a, a much better rigorous academic program right at the school because uh, you know, it was it was great. I always think back, wow, wouldn't it have been great to have one more year of college? <laughs> Join us for Gwyneth's annual character breakfast with your favorite Disney princesses and superheroes. Pose with your favorite characters, enjoy a delicious breakfast, and experience a magical morning with crafts, music, and so much more. We hope to see you March 18th at 9 for an enchanted, fun-filled morning. Register at gmahs.org. So... What inspired you to found PPT Consulting? And what do you think, if you could pinpoint one or two things, contributed to its success? Well, um, I founded PPT Consulting because the firm I was with, and I was doing consulting at a major global firm. It's a long story. It was called Arthur Anderson. Um, There was an issue. It got indicted. The firm went down and went under. So I was forced to decide what to do next. And at that stage of my life, I had little kid, little children. I think they were maybe ages two, four, and six, maybe. So I had little children, and I didn't necessarily want to join another major consulting firm just because they might make me travel or do things when I'm trying to balance my family and my career at the same time. It was a really critical time. So I, and it was a dare from my husband who said, why don't you try consulting on your own? And I'm not the biggest risk taker. You know, I like to have a steady paycheck and everything planned out in my life. Um, so I um, took uh, took the chance and started uh, what I called PPT Consulting. PPT stands for People, Process, and Technology. Um, and went to some clients. And with uh, having been at Arthur Anderson prior to that, of course, I had some great relationships in the, in the marketplace and local companies in the area. And I was able to go back to those same relationships and tell them what I was doing. And they, many of them gave me a, a chance, a chance to do consulting for them under this little name. And I never looked back. Um, so it was really the demise of my prior job and, and the lack of that being even an option to continue. And again, the encouragement from my husband and, you know, who I'm forever grateful for. I, I think, um, you know, one of my messages is when you just choose to pick a partner in life that you choose well, and you choose somebody who's going to make you the best you you can be and support you and encourage you and, um, and challenge you. And that's what Jay did. And here I, you know, I I can't believe I did it some days. I still can't believe I did it. I'm so glad I did it. So. What is the process like in launching your own firm? Like, how do you, I can't even imagine juggling all of that while you have small children at home, probably getting a license or launching an LLC or whatever. How does that work? All I can remember, it started in my basement. (laughs) How many times have you heard that, right? (laughs) No office space, just me in my basement. And I was blessed with um, great training when I was at Arthur Anderson. I learned, you know, amazing things and was exposed and trained very, very well, which helped me propel my going forward as a single person. But then I instantly hired somebody um, to come help me do the work because trying to sell to new clients and deliver the work that you've 
that they've asked you to do is very um, challenging. So I hired my first person and behind the scenes, you know, worrying about the finances and the invoicing and how all the numbers flow. And, and that was my mom. My mom was a bookkeeper back in the day. She's probably still working um, at the time. She was a working mother and um, she helped me. She said, look, I'll take that off your hands. You do what you do best and leave that back office to me. So she helped me for the first number of years till I really got things stable. And, and ultimately she said, can you finally hire somebody? I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> well enough now go. So, um, so I did. And, um, but it was great. You know, the nice part of having your own firm or company is you get to make a lot of the decisions. Sometimes that can be scary. Sometimes it's very empowering and fulfilling. The rewards are great. So you're not working so, so hard for somebody else. You're working so, so hard for you and your family because you're reaping so much more of the reward from your output and, and work. Um, so it was great. Honestly, too, when I was at the big firm and I was having my family, it was sometimes hard. I felt pulled, you know, I, I should be home. I should spend more time. I, my kids need me. Or when I was home, I was like, oh, I got to check those emails. I've got to get back to so-and-so. So I never felt fully present to, and I and it, you've heard, I would say many women talk about work-life balance. It's hard. Um but when once I had my own firm, I changed it, recognizing there is, I'll never achieve balance. And I'll always have this guilty feeling I should be the other place when I'm at work. I should be at home. When I'm at home, I should be at work. I was able to build something for me that worked and it was work-life integration. So, you know, I would take my children's, you know, basketball games, field hockey, whatever they were playing from a sports standpoint or dance recitals or events that I should be present at, I'd put them in my work calendar just like any other meeting. And if a client asked me, um, can you meet with me at 3.30 on Thursday? I'd look and say, oh no, that's a basketball game against so so no, I gotta be there. I'd say, no, I have a prior meeting, prior commitment. So they would think I was very popular and very a very wanted person uh, by other firms. Uh, and they'd, re- they'd pick another date and time, which worked, and I'd still be at that basketball game, um, which was really important to me hopefully to my children. Um, So I was able to balance and call the shots as to where I needed to be when, and that was pretty nice. You know, it worked out well for me when raising children. That's a really good tip. You should coin the work-life integration phrase too. (laughs) I've never heard that before, but I I can relate completely. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And then when the kids would do homework, I would have my laptop open as well and I'd be catching up on things or mm-hmm. doing my work and they'd see mom working and they'd be like, okay, it's time to work. She's working too, you know? So it, it was great. It was great. So great. That's awesome. So what does a day in your life look like now? Hmm. Um, it's an interesting question. There are no days the same. You know, I've always got different clients, different projects that I'm working on, different meetings to attend. I will say I spend a tremendous amount of time on Zoom. <laughs> um, Zoom is, uh, has since COVID has really changed how we operate. But in some ways, it's great because, again, it allows me to take that Zoom from Florida or from Philadelphia. Um, but a day in the life, you know, I do a lot of client interactions 
Um, so I'm, again, either trying to help a client figure out how to solve an issue and explaining how I might be able to help them with that so that they'll engage me and my firm and, and buy our services, or I'm working on that project with the project team and we're brainstorming and collaborating and trying to figure out the solution that we told them we deliver or that we now have to figure out and deliver. So lots of meetings, lots of collaborating. Um, and then I do a lot of the, um, the business strategy, you know, who's the next target client? How are we going to grow the practice? How many people should we hire this quarter, next quarter? Um, it's uh, every day is my calendar is Im immensely different day to day. I believe it. <laughs> um, how I have two questions. Um, how many people do you have on staff now since you've grown from having your mother and an assistant? <laughs> And also, uh, what has been your favorite solution that you've been able to propose for a client? So we went from mom and I in the first hire to uh, we probably have, well, interesting enough, in the Philadelphia market, which is, again, the former practice that I had. So we got acquired in December of 2021. PPT was acquired at that time. We were about 60 people. And... SIA Partners acquired us. So they're a global management consulting firm, and they acquired us to be their Philadelphia foothold because they're trying to grow in the United States. You know, we probably last year added, I don't know how many people in Philadelphia, at least 10 or 15 people. And we're trying to double that this year. We're hoping to be 200 in 2024. So I need to put the pedal to the metal and get going. So it's been very exciting in that regard. Favorite project or a memorable project? Um, that'll go back to the PPT days. Um, one that stands out for me from personal satisfaction mm -hmm. is when we got an opportunity to do work at QVC. You know, everybody loves QVC. I love QVC. Mm -hmm. And I was excited to be, uh, it's a home shopping network. Okay. <laughs> oh, Are they not popular Sorry. anymore? <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. My grandmother bought me lots it was of things. A very hot home shopping network that was online 24-7. Um, anyway, they had a problem with fraud. People were getting very creative about how to steal from them or whatever. And we went in to propose a project and we were against two very large consulting firms, very established names in the business. And I was just a little PPT consulting. And and we had many rounds of orals and presentations to try to win and get the, the opportunity to deliver the services. Ultimately, we did win. So it was the first time we'd ever gone head to head with big names. So that was very rewarding. And I was also pretty psyched because though we helped them solve the fraud issue, like we weren't really experts in fraud. <laughs> I don't know how to commit fraud. I didn't know a lot about <laughs> fraud, but what I was able to do was again, just, you know, have a methodology and a framework that would take them through the steps to help to, to dig in, peel the layers, as we say, the onion away and find out what was really going on. And it was a very successful project. We did future projects for them, but beating the competition was um, a firms that I used to compete for when I was at Arthur Anderson, which was a major global firm was very satisfying. I can imagine that's okay. like a David and Goliath sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was great. Okay, so after our little David and the Goliath story, which <laughs> I love, is so impressive, it's really inspiring. But you've obviously achieved a lot in your life thus far. 
And is there anything you're still looking to achieve? That's a great question. Um, I decided to kind of sell PPT consulting because I'm at the stage in my life where I'm thinking, maybe I should retire. I need a plan. What's it going to be? And one of the, uh, a, a friend, a close advisor that I'd worked with at Anderson said, you know, it's going to take a couple of years to sell and you have to have a transition timeline. So if you're thinking X number of years out, you need to start now. So I'm, I'm well into that now. I finished my first year with SIA. I'm going to complete at least two more, but I'm trying to decide what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been fantastic. And of course, my husband would say it's called retirement and it's going to be great. <laughs> and I'm saying, yeah, but because I'm I I love working. I love the satisfaction every day of having completed something, sold something, delivered something, made some client happy or my staff happy with something. And I don't know what I'll do with all my time when I retire. Um, so I'm looking for that. What next? It's very important to me. And I probably won't fully retire until I figure out that what next question. So I'm looking for what next I've loved. And coincidentally, as I'm looking for that, what next, you know, my term as chair of the board at Gwinnett is coming Mm -hmm. to an end. I'm finished this June 30th, which makes me sad. I have loved giving back to Gwinnett and being part of the amazing future and the growth and the transformation it has undergone in the past several years. I will miss that. So now it's, what organization? I don't necessarily want to, I don't have to work for another company, but me, and I'm not ready to start. I'm not starting anything else. Um, <laughs> that is on the record. Um, but what organization can I, again, give back to, engage in, make a difference and have an impact in this world? Because I'm not done yet. Yeah. That's, so I'm I mean, open that's to any lot. ideas. Let me know. Well, you, you can't leave Gwinnett entirely. You know that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so you that can step, you can be finished on the board, but you're not gone. Um, <laughs> so back to being chairman of the board of trustees, chairwoman of the board of trustees. Mm-hmm. Uh, what inspired you to get involved with your alma mater? And what have been your favorite parts in helping Gwinnett succeed and, and grow? Okay. Um. Years ago, I was asked by somebody on the finance committee at the time to join the finance committee. So it was interesting. I had been on the alumni board many years prior and had not been that active other than attending. I still go back to the play and other things, Um, but it was lovely to be asked. And honestly, I've never said no to Gwinnett. You, you never say no to right. Gwyneth. Uh, that was taught to me uh, at Gwyneth. So when I got the call, I said, sure, I'll join the finance committee. And then I got the ask to step up and, and join the board. And to me, that was an honor. That wasn't an ask. That was an absolute privilege to join the board. So that was an easy yes. And then ultimately, I was honored by having the ability to take the, the role of chair after um, President Marbach, who was previously the chair of the board, stepped down. So um, it was an easy, I mean, you just don't say no to Gwyneth. That's very important that everybody understands that. Um <laughs> And then it's been such a great run. I mean, I've had the privilege of being on a few boards in my life and career. And Gwynedd's is the most amazing, engaged, passionate group of people I've ever had the privilege of working with. From the board, the administration, the staff, it's been great. I mean, we started off with um, creating the strategic plan. She is the future. 
That was, I mean, a sheer pleasure to help lay out that roadmap and be part of that. I mean, again, President Marbach was clearly the spearhead of that and the board supported her every step of the way. Um, and it's been so fulfilling and satisfying to see all the initiatives under our various pillars come to life and be fulfilled and realized. So it's been great. I will absolutely miss it. And and yes, um, I will look forward to figuring out how I continue to stay engaged and be part of um, Mercy's future. I love it. Is there an initiative, one of the pillars that you're particularly fond of that maybe you'd like to stay involved with? Well, um, it's interesting. I am very um, passionate about advancement. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things um, that Sister Mary Sarah taught us back in freshman year, <laughs> when she would ask us to help raise money, she would say, she would always say, dig down deep, girls dig down deep. She meant in our pockets and to bring in coins or whatever we could to contribute. And honestly, I don't think um, that message is... Um, deeply in, instilled in our girl, our graduates over the years. I think mm -hmm. it's amazing how females who may be amazingly successful and, and breadwinners and, and doing things in their own right, don't write as big a check for their high school as men do. My husband, St. Joe's prep grad, you know, it was never a question. It was what we did from the first, I was dating him and we went to the um, auction at St. Joe's Prep. I mean, I, it but we didn't do, we didn't, you wouldn't bring your date to Gwyneth's auction back in the day, you know? So yeah. they were instilled to give back, stay connected. And I am passionate about our girls learning that now and keeping that connection, lifelong connection. It's really one of the pillars Colleen is helping us, you know, lead that, but staying connected and supporting the advancement and the sustainability of this amazing institution is really important to me. That's a great answer. And I love it since I work in that department. Oh. <laughs> so you're not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Um, my next question is going to be looking back on your life. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, my, I would actually say for me, it would be, don't worry so much. I was a worrier. I'm still a bit of a worrier. My kids were like, tell me that's what I do best. Um, and I, I would just say, engage more fully in life, enjoy the moment and worry less. If you that's make the perfect. right choices, do the right thing, give it your all, what will be, will be, and it'll be fine. There you go. It's perfect for any, right? <laughs> any seniors, you know, you. definitely. Yeah. I think I've been worrying since September. Oh <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're, you're worried about what college you're going to get into. And you know, it's all going to work out. It is going to work out and it's going to be the perfect one for you. And you don't maybe not know that. Yeah. You have, we have to trust, um, and the, uh, trust the uh, journey, the process, and it will all be good. All right. Of all of your accomplishments in your life, what are you most proud of and why? Yeah, uh, I, I, in some ways I hesitate, when, but I, I was like, I, have, I hesitate, but I have to. I'm very proud of my family. I have three mm -hmm. amazing children, 20, 28, 26, and 24. I'm proud of the people that they have become, you know, and the values that they have and the way they live their lives. And again, give back. It's just, I'm very proud of them. 
And honestly, the other thing very selfishly is I'm very proud that I was able to start something that another a global management consulting firm thought they wanted to buy. And uh, I'm very proud that, that it came to that. It was never a thought in my mind when I started. Um, never, never. I never knew how I was going to unwind it. <laughs> uh, but here I am. And uh, that that would be on the list as well. It should be. It should be. It absolutely it's not selfish at all. That is a really, really impressive thing. Mm -hmm. You'd be proud of that. That's Thank amazing. You. Gosh. Um, <laughs> I guess this is kind of rounding out our interview, but is there anything else you'd like to share? Other things I would say, just some little philosophies. You know, we talked about your younger self, but we did do differently. But like a philosophy to live by for me is do what you love and love what you do. And I can say that in each of my different jobs throughout my career, you know, I loved what I did and I was doing what I loved. And I think if you find yourself and many people will, you'll find yourself at a point or a place in your life where that's not true, then just make a change. I mean, I've had career changes and job changes along the way. Um, and don't hesitate. Again, believe in yourself enough to do it. Um, I think, again, having that inner confidence to make to make those changes. When you know in your heart, you probably should, and you're not happy and something's wrong, just to have the, the fortitude to do that is really important. And then, you know, you, I think people will be surprised when you, whatever you do, you just do your best at it, you know, um, whether it's being on a, a sports team or working on a project or the project team, whatever it is, you do the best you can. And that's all anybody can ever ask of you, but doors will open. It will be noticed if, um, and make a difference if you do that consistently. If you just try your best along the path, um, good things will happen. And again, doors will open and I'll go back to the confidence. Have the confidence to go through the door. When opportunity knocks, take it. Don't say, oh, I could never do that. No, take the promotion, take the offer, go for it. And, and you'll surprise yourself and it'll be a fun ride. So there's some parting thoughts for you. That's great advice, yeah. That's perfect advice. I feel like we hear that a lot, but hearing it from someone like yourself who's been through it and done so many outstanding things is really affirming. And you inspiring. Know? It's, 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 yes, inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think too often women reflect too much and don't act on things. They're not brave. They're not bold. It's not necessarily an innate thing. So in telling people, you know, seize the opportunity because our, our male counterparts totally would, mm -hmm. and we Absolutely. should do it too. Right. And if we want to go there, it's also okay to self-promote a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, you can brag or if you're being reviewed by a, a supervisor or a boss, I mean, make sure they've got, they know all of your amazing attributes and contributions. Don't hold back. Um, advocating for self is important. Yeah. The other thing I also say is, you know, I've been very blessed and I've had a great journey, but in the beginning, like I'm not doing the job I would ever thought of in a hundred years, I would have never started a firm. I wasn't really a risk taker, but opportunities presented themselves and, and I made some good choices um, and I worked hard and, and whatnot, but you've got to, um, you know, believe in yourself. And don't worry if you don't know what the next plan is. You don't have the five-year plan all mapped out because it's probably going to be wrong. There's twists and turns all along through life. Just make the next choice a good choice 
Continue to work hard, do the right thing, and good things will happen. I wholeheartedly believe that. That's perfect. That's perfect. Ah, Awesome answers. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor. And we hope to see you back at Gwinnett soon. You're not allowed to leave. Oh, you shall. You shall. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.